0: Hi, I'm Debbie george Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about what time it is in America and the Schedule F agenda, World Health Organization, also known as WHO, monkeying with your freedom, Democrats' votes changed by secret code in the machines, Democrats saying that, Leftist long knives are out for Ron DeSantis and John Rich sings America's song. And of course I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. I am America. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk into today's First Five. I'm Debbie Addis. Former President Trump really stirred up things over this past weekend. Uh, he was in Arizona. One, he did a rally for Carrie Lake, who's running for governor in Arizona, way ahead in the polls um, and doing well. And she is an outspoken proponent of the idea of uh, the election fraud was real. It changed the outcome. She's strong on the border. And the uh, lackluster rally held pretty much at the same time same day uh, by former vice President Pence, who was touting uh the a candidate another primary candidate uh, for governor. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but it w- it was a tiny it was a no turnout event basically tiny tiny turnout, and you know making the typical rhino uh kind of pitches that you would think uh, Mike Pence might make, but I want to go back to some things that President Trump said that really stirred things up and 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 I'm fired up to talk about this today because it's something that's near and dear to my heart and has to do with the idea. President Trump floated the idea during this speech. In fact, he did two speeches. He did that, which I just mentioned a moment ago, Lake. He also spoke at Turning Point USA. So, you know, he's out there, um, you know, stirring things up. But part of what he talks about was, um, he, Donald Trump talked about, was the idea uh, that he was going to really... Um, take a, if he were to be back in office, um, really take a strong step in terms of reducing the deep state swamp, in reducing and eliminating positions and changing things in Washington so that he could reduce essentially the size of government. And this isn't just a size of government argument. I want to really hone in on what he's talking about. The big uh, news of the weekend, they use the expression of the term um, Schedule F, and this has to do with this... um, this executive order, uh, which had to, which relates to what status people have who work in Washington for the government. I'm going to very quickly tell you that the important distinction is you can be in Washington and working for the federal government, and you can be someone who's chosen by the then-elected president as a political appointee. So you're a political appointee, you serve at the pleasure of the president, and uh, when, you, when that president is no longer in office, uh, neither are you. You're there to support and help to carry out the agenda that the president uh, ran on and is trying to implement. So those are political appointees. There are also employees of the federal government. Employees, different category, actually employed by the federal government. I have said for a long time, and I'll say it again, I wrote it in my book, there should not be any unions, any unions for people who are paid by taxpayers. Who are paid with tax dollars there should not be public unions in washington dc or anything equivalent to that and the same at the state level there should not be unions unions should be an animal belonging in the private sector not in the public sector but the big reason is in washington if you're a uh, public employee you're you're a civil servant and you have all sorts of protections against being fired. It's one reason that the government grows and grows and grows and grows, because once you go work for the federal government and you become an employee and protected by the civil service laws, you know, why would you leave? Why would you you ever quit? I mean, unless you're just bored to tears, but the point of what uh, Trump was getting at and what has gotten the left in a hysterical tizzy is the idea that in Washington we need to get people out of that realm who are, you know, public sector employees who can just basically never be fired, and and we need to make them more accountable and reduce the size of the government. The, the Trump quote, quote, what Trump quote was, um, and I think this was at the, yeah the Turning Point USA Student Action Summit. He said, "To drain the swamp, we need to fire the swamp." He wants to make more people, make more people in Washington fireable. And and this is, you know, that this is something the left cannot tolerate. Uh, backing up from that, at the close of the Obama administration in 2016, uh, there was a great um, angst expressed uh, among conservatives because very much toward the end of the Obama administration, um, he was uh, working to place people in the federal government who were his political appointees and make them into civil servants protected by civil service protection protected by unions basically making the point that Obama was trying to embed his political ideology which was you know what the reason he hired these political appointees cuz they were on to his marxist agenda they were in favor of his marxist agenda he Obama was trying to keep those people in government by taking them out of the realm of political appointee and into the realm of being employed by the government, and therefore, you can't get rid of these people. Um, And so, you know, Trump is basically stirring things up about this notion that we can drain the swamp by literally getting rid of many, many employees in Washington. I wanna mention one other thing about, several other things about this, a little longer than five today, but on this first point. The left carries out their agenda in this country in large part by not telling the American people honestly what they stand for, what they believe and what they plan on doing. They, the left pushes their agenda, their big government agenda, their socialist Marxist agenda by pushing changes in all sorts of arenas of policy in Washington coming out of the bureaucracies, coming out of the massive, massive bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. And so instead of having Congress accountable to voters who, if they were to pass some of the things that these agencies pass, you know, you would have people rallying, uh, uh, trying to get people out of Congress or out of the Senate saying, look what he voted for or she voted for, get him out of there. But the bureaucracies operate behind the scenes with basically no accountability ever and there's a recent Supreme Court case uh, involving the state of West Virginia in which the Supreme Court finally said to the EPA you can't just go making new laws I and mean, this is too extreme what you're doing you basically decided you're gonna take out the coal industry if that's what you think is the right thing or you know then you have to have Congress make that let Congress do that you you uh, EPA used the statutory throw you had and grotesquely exaggerated and and, and just you know ballooned up the power you you seized by, the, by what Congress gave you to get to where you thought it was okay to just eliminate the um, the coal industry. What Trump is getting at, this idea of going after the federal bureaucracy in part because this they are the ones, and that, this is why, why I think it's so important to understand this, this isn't a battle just how big government, is. government is big governments to in fact I got the numbers government is big the numbers by the way um in the year 2021 so last year there were around 18.28 million people working for state and local governments in the US now that's massive you know US has whatever we have 300 I just looked it up 329 million people in America is the official number we have a lot more than that but 329 million we admit we have as citizens so in 2021 18.28 million work for state and uh, local governments but the actual number of civilian employees, just civilian, so leaving the military out of it, civilian employees of only the federal government was 2.85 million. 2.85 million, which is nearly 1% of the adults in this country are working for the federal government. It's not up to 1%, but it gets close. Um, it's zero. It's um, 0.86. I'm getting the point to say that it's not just that the government is too big. Is that the government is a tool to create and push and foment the left wing big government control over society agenda, regardless of who sits in the White House, regardless of who's in control of things? This goes back to the Reagan era. Reagan was lamenting. He gets into office, clear agenda, clear mandate. He puts people in charge, political appointees, he puts them in their positions and discovers. You can't make the agencies move. You can't make them move forward because there's a layer, a large, big, fat, bureaucratic layer of power in Washington in the agencies, in the something like 600 agencies. You know, it's the main cabinet ones, and beneath them, the sub-agencies. When uh, A couple weeks ago, when um, Biden put out his order that he was going to make, or months ago, actually, Biden put out his order, he was going to tell all the agencies to make a huge priority to register more voters, which you know, he has no right to do that. The the agencies exist by statutory creation, but whatever. He was saying 600 agencies. And so you have those agencies filled with people who love the left-wing agenda, love big government, love government control over society, hook, line, and sinker go along with climate change and every other left-wing lunatic idea. And they function almost separate from Congress. And so what Trump is getting at, because I think when Trump got into office in 2017, when he you know first was sworn in, I think he had no idea. I mean, he knew that there was a swamp, he knew it was massive, he knew big government was a problem, but he didn't realize the depth of the swamp and the complexity of the swamp, how it's all set up in there. So. Back to what Trump did over the weekend. He floated the idea uh, that, you know, we've got to go back to this Schedule F, and this has to do with this idea of we're going to bring down uh, the size of government. And you should read all these things. I read a bunch of articles this morning. Um, these same outlets, by the way, didn't seem to mind at all back in 2016 as Obama was wrapping up his second term. They didn't seem to mind at all when Obama was intentionally, purposefully, placing left-wing bureaucrats who were his appointees and making them into employees, cementing their presence in Washington. That was fine with them. But now Trump's talking about, why do we have to have all these left-wing people who are essentially obstructing the will of the American people? Because if people choose the president and and the president gets to put their agenda in place within the federal level, and you got you got these uh, these roadblocks built up with inside these agencies. It was a brilliant, brilliant thing. Uh, one just as one example, one headline was uh, two headlines. I'll share. Uh, this one was from the New Republic: The next GOP president will replace civil servants with political hacks, wreaking havoc on the government. Another headline: Donald Trump's Schedule F scheme they always say scheme and they don't like it, uh, would radically reshape the federal government in 2025 report. So they have some report by a left-wing, I think it's Axios guy. And I wanna make this other point about this. In our country, the turnout for Donald Trump in the election of 2016 was so massive, it broke the algorithm the election fixtures had tried to set, they had to give and admit that he won. The American people are crying out for what Donald Trump was saying. We're tired of being controlled by a massive bureaucracy. We're tired of big government. We want America first. We want a strong and sovereign country. We want borders. We want policies and trade deals with our uh, trading partners around the world that benefit American workers. We want America first. And in in Trump's presidency, nearly everything he accomplished, he accomplished by executive order uh, and occasionally found a few people in uh, Congress who would back him up. But Trump, what he was saying in 2016 and is still saying today, and what the Republican Party, truly the Republican Party establishment is failing to grasp, is that the American people actually want this big radical change. I'll close out the first five of this, on this big radical change point. Part of what the left is saying is you can't, just, you can't just drain the swamp. You can't just come in and, and remove you know, all these people who've been in the bureaucracy for decades. They represent continuity of government. They know how things work. We can't just have all these people removed. Now, he's not gonna fire everyone, but you think about what happened in the time when Donald Trump was president and you had the entire bureaucratic uh, you know, behemoth of the DOJ and the FBI Perfectly aware early on that there was no Trump-Russia collusion, perfectly aware Hillary cooked up the Trump-Russia collusion story to win her campaign to smear Donald Trump, perfectly aware that there was a, you know, Brennan himself had the CIA writing a note, and this is what, you know, was finally discovered in his notes acknowledging, looks like Hillary Clinton picked up the whole thing, as a uh, cooked up the whole thing as a political smear. But in the entire time when the uh, DOJ and the FBI went after trying to prove out, investigate, conduct depositions, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, not one, not one lawyer for the FBI, and there are many, not one investigator, not one lawyer for the Department of Justice, no one stood up and said, hey, there's nothing here. This is a fool's errand, and this is a waste of taxpayer dollars. What we observed just on that issue in Washington was the impact of having this behemoth, deep state filling the ranks of power in agency after agency after agency, no commitment to getting to truth or representing what the people want. They're committed to an ideology, to an agenda, and committed to the left wing, you know, uniparty. Push for big government control, and what Donald Trump represented, and why he, when he won so handily, was the American people trying to say stop, trying to say, you know, we, we want we want things to change. We don't like it anymore. I'll tell you, what, this, I know I said one last point, but this really is the last point. You think about, I mean, what people are getting hysterical about is if Trump ever got back in, or some other similar, you know, strong c- candidate, and actually began draining the swamp. All this reaction, this leftist hysteria is in part because they think the country cannot, they're, they're trying to tell you we can't do this plan because the country can't handle this. The country won't be able to handle these big changes. It's outrageous. I mean, we just can't go back to, you know, a, a, a slimmer government. We can't take all these people out. But I want to remind you that big changes the left does, and, and, and they do whatever they want, And whenever they do a radical change that has no business happening in this country, they sell it by saying it's long past due, long past time. When Obama got socialized medicine pushed through Congress, when the Democrats had control of the House and the Senate and the White House, socialized medicine pushed, pushed through back in 2009, I think that was, early '10. That was a time when the polling showed even Democrats in this country, if they were asked, do you want the federal government to take over the health care system? No matter how the question was asked, majorities of the country said, no, federal government, stay out of our health care system. Republicans said it, Democrats said it. But when Democrats have a mission, when they are Marxists, when they have a mission to take control, they don't care what the people think. They'll do radical changes, such as taking over the entire healthcare system at a time it wasn't in crisis, there wasn't a problem, and there was no reason for the government to take over the entire healthcare system. I could run through a litany of other massive changes the left has done. Now we're on this lunatic mission of saying we're going to eliminate fossil fuels by 2030. I mean, every competent scientists is saying it's completely impossible, it's dangerous, it's gonna hurt people. I mean, you know, we've talked about this a lot in the show. I'm getting to the point when Democrats wanna do something radical and they're, they're willing to accomplish this in the mainstream media, something radical, absurd, unhelpful, They announce it in a way of saying, I mean, this has been long past due. It's overdue. And now that's what Biden's saying about the transition to all, you know, he thinks we're going to transition to all clean energy, all, you know, uh, natural solar and wind power. I mean, it's so absurd, but they're willing to do massive, massive, massive changes as long as it suits their needs, as long as it suits their agenda. Trump. And many conservatives trying to say we need to get rid of this. I can't even find strong enough words. I mean, behemoth, this giant, this um, this just you know a massive Death Star of people who are in the federal bureaucracies have been there for decades they they run the place they don't listen to the, the current administration they don't listen to policy and that's how they run things this is the, you know and and so they really are running the country in many significant ways because even when the people try to speak up and say you know gave trump a majority gave trump a majority in the house and say, It doesn't matter, doesn't matter. They cannot budge the bureaucracies. Too much power resides in the bureaucracies and they're totally unaccountable. Trump is right. Massive draining of the swamp needs to come. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, so first 19, but hey, before I go on my next topic, I wanna mention um, one quick thing. Uh, which is that we have radio listeners, and, and Brightline Radio. Thank you so much for carrying this show. If you're listening on radio, I want to urge you to write down so you have it. Our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. At that website, you can watch. You can watch the show live. You can watch the show of past shows, past interviews. Everything is there that you need, and everything is there that um, that you can learn about the show. You can sign up for a newsletter. Uh, you can also now buy tickets for our upcoming summit. I'm going to quick, before my radio, li- oh, and hey, radio listeners, you go off to a break at 30 minutes after the hour and, again, at three minutes before the top of the next hour. Uh, please know we're rocking and rolling without you. I'm sorry. Come right back after your radio uh, break, and we're going to be right on. Uh, I'll be right here talking about Saving America, which is what my entire show is about but I want to use a couple of minutes here to talk about our website and our upcoming summit. Our summit is scheduled for Saturday. It is set for Saturday, October 15th. We have a wonderful, wonderful array of speakers committing um, and a probable, very exciting new speaker coming. A couple of days ago on this show, I went through every single speaker. If you're watching the show, you can see the speakers are now listed on the screen. Uh, We have 12 speakers coming, uh, and they are all going to be addressing profoundly important issues facing America. I, I mean, they're just that they, they, these are the issues that will shape whether we hold on to freedom or not that level of importance, that level of speaker. And it's a wonderful summit. And at our website, americacanwetalk.org, we have tickets available now and sponsorships available now. So you can go to the website, you can buy yourself a ticket. Uh, and for our members, we have a discount uh, price for our members of America Can We Talk? While you're at the website, americacanwetalk.org, hit subscribe you can subscribe to our newsletter you get a once a week newsletter from me i've never shared the list in my life never would you can hit subscribe get our newsletter you can also at the website donate this show is entirely listener supported i would so appreciate your support for america Community we talk make a donation to it or join to join is only fifty dollars a year five oh practically free love to have more members so appreciate everyone who supports this show Also want to mention supporting this show. As I said, it's a a listener-supported show. I have two uh, products that you might really, really enjoy. I'll quickly pitch those before I turn to talk about. I have four more topics today, so I have to keep rocking and rolling, but I want to mention um, the uh, MyPillow organization and MyPillow.com. If if you're listening or if you're watching, you see it's MyPillow.com, and this is Mike Lindell's company. We have so many products in our home we've ordered from my pillow i can't urge you strong enough go to mypillow.com they have very high quality towels sheets bathrobes slippers uh, you know uh, we're, we're just about to order a mattress cover because a dear friend of ours told us it's the best mattress cover he has ever tried and so we're going to do that and they have many many products and when you go to mypillow.com Place an order near the end that asks for your promo code. Put in Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, Debbie G. Order something there. Order a lot of somethings there. Uh, I get a small commission. You get up to 66% off uh, of your order, and you get products delivered to your home. It's a great deal. I urge, and I. it's both a great deal to support mypillow.com and a great pillow, a great way to support our show, um, and I would so appreciate if you would do that. Um, and my pillow, even the pillows, by the way, are no longer available in some of the stores that were carrying my pillow because they are left-wing wussies that, that surrendered when the left pressured them. I said, okay, okay, we'll stop carrying that stuff. Great products go there. The other product is called, and I'm asking my happy friend Joe here, my producer, to put it up, HydroShot is a drink I drink one every single morning. It's a seven-ounce drink. It's got really tasty flavors, and you can go to H2Bev, h the numeral two BevBev.com, and order yourself a case of Hydroshot. Um, they are it is an in, intensely wonderful it, this is a drink. It increases focus, increases endurance. I have I actually started drinking them um, after. Uh, Contacting a doctor friend of ours, uh, telling him, you know, we're kind of dragging after having the flu. He said, "I'm telling you, love this stuff." Um, and so, hydro shot is at h2bev.com. Again, promo code put in Debbie G. You get 10% off your order, and I get a little commission too. So that's other ways to support the show. So buy a ticket, sign up for the newsletter, go to our website. Order on pillow. order on HydroShot, and now I'm done with all my pitches and it hit the uh, rest of the stories um, that, I, that I want to hit today. Well, I'm gonna turn to the World Health Organization. Um, and I will tell you that I sent uh, Joe here, a, uh, my producer today who's keeping the place uh, the, keeping the lights on here, um, a, a, a video, a short video. This is the um, leader of, uh, this is Dr. Tedros, and I say uh, doctor, I'll explain something in a moment. He's not a medical doctor, but don't tell anybody. So Tedros, head of the World Health Organization, uh, made an announcement regarding monkeypox, and I want to ask you, please, to play that. For all of these reasons, I have decided that the global monkeypox outbreak represents a public health emergency of international concern. Okay, so that is the gentleman who heads up the World Health Organization, Director General, You do recall, I'm sure that during COVID, it became known to everyone that he is very much acts at the behest and control of the Chinese Communist Party. He was protecting them, the country of China, he was putting out messages that later turned out to be inaccurate. This was a guy who is, you know, the uh, term or the expression is owned and controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. And you know he's all about protecting the Chinese Communist Parties um, and, and what they do. So on and this deal, the reason I wanna hit this very quickly is monkeypox, the numbers on monkeypox are um, minuscule. I mean, I am not saying I care about every single person. I don't want anyone to get a virus of any kind. I mean, I'm in favor of being healthy all the time. But monkeypox is a uh, is a virus being transmitted, and part of why people are so outraged by Tejos making that announcement was number one, his advisory committee, the actual doctors who study the data. They voted and they said, no, you should not declare. There's no reason to declare that monkeypox constitutes an emergency, uh, constitutes an international emergency. So, his, it was nine to six, a vote by the doctors, the actual doctors who practice medicine, nine to six told him, don't do it, don't declare that this monkeypox is an international emergency, but he did. Second point, monkeypox is become clear, uh, is spread nearly entirely during uh, adult um, sexual relations between men is being spread by by uh, gay men engaging in uh, sexual activity. That's who's getting monkeypox. And so, I, as I say, I don't want anyone to be sick with anything, but if you discover that is the case, the idea of int- announcing an a international emergency uh, is alarming and then and, and, and unnecessary and a, a just a, a trigger. Because, and the, but the real third and the most important point I wanted to make is that <sighs> we recently had the battle. The Biden administration was the moving player, the moving actor, in trying to convince a World Health Organization to change its, and I don't know if it's bylaws or, or its standards, but change the rule so that once the World Health Organization declares something, an international emergency or declares a pandemic, that all the member countries are bound by that. I mean, this was a Biden administration initiative, trying to surrender America's healthcare system sovereignty to the World Health Organization, let them be the ones that decide whether or not we have an emergency or a pandemic. And of course, we saw what happened during the COVID pandemic a couple of years ago. We saw that what occurred was, once the government had this emergency authority, once they could say, oh, it's an emergency, they could not wait to find more reasons to make new rules, take you down. In America today, we're still having the battle. In America today, over people who were—I mean, I mean it's, uh, over people who are federal government employees, people in the military now being forced out of the military if they won't get this vaccine, which many, many people are advising against. I raise the story to say, unfortunately, what happened with the Biden team pushing this rule change at World Health Organization a few months ago was that. Not America. You would think America would be the one standing up and saying, we'll make our own decisions. We're happy to share information. We're happy to listen to your experts, but we make our own decisions. America was exactly the opposite on this globalist trend. This trend is submitting America's sovereignty to the international globalist communists. America is saying, oh, no, no, you know, uh, we'll, just, we'll wait and let you tell us what to do. Fortunately for America and for Americans, uh, there were other countries who kind of surprised people and blocked it. So at least as of right now, the U.S. does not have to surrender to the uh, whims, and this really does strike you as a whim, by Tedros, uh, that Tedros said, uh, the uh, head of the World Health Organization, of making this monkeypox thing a, um, a, a national, uh, you know, something that we in America have to honor as an, international, as an emergency. And also, I just wanna remind you again, there are people out there, our own CDC head, Walensky, in America, talking about protecting children from monkeypox. Again, monkeypox is spread nearly entirely with the conduct of sexual activity between gay men. But somehow, if there's some other threat, some way you can make people frightened, some way you can make people concerned, and the CDC is happy to step up and say, "Oh yeah, we got to have new rules, new you know, new procedures, new mask requirements." I mean, you know, I will tell you, I think that more and more Americans are awake to the idea that in this country and around the world, bureaucrats used the uh, fear about COVID, fear about what was you know the the uh, when it first unleashed on the scene, unknown virus, and weren't sure the treatment methods available. People in power who've always wanted power over you anyway, seized on the opportunity to use COVID to say, okay, now you're going to have to be submissive. Now you're going to do what we tell you to do. You're going to have to wear a mask, even though first-year med students are always taught viruses viruses are not prevented. You don't prevent the spread of a virus by wearing a mask. I mean they're taught this in medical school. This has like been known since since time began. But we in our country and around the world watched how quickly people with authority and power seized on the opportunity to treat COVID as as a it was like it was like a you know get out of jail free card or a or just a ticket to the people who've always wanted to control you to say, yeah, you know, you're, that uh, because we had COVID, we're going to take control of your lives. We're going to decide when you can travel, whether you can travel, well, w- what vaccines you have to take, whether you're allowed to do anything if you don't have a vaccine, whether you can uh, serve in the military. I mean, the power that grew in the, in the minds and in, in reality of those in power in America uh, when COVID came along will only be exas- exacerbated each and every time, a new virus comes along, especially if we act like we're supposed to surrender and listen to the World Health Organization. Many, many doctors speaking up and, and trying to warn, this is absolutely not necessary. So, uh, more on that, uh, on monkeypox. I'm gonna have, um, at our summit by the way, I'm gonna have Dr. Richard Bartlett speak, uh, who's a, just a, a brilliant doctor from here in Texas, we're grateful to have him in Texas. He's gonna be talking about what he has come in his investigation come to understand is a planned rollout. Of, vac- of viruses and new viruses and mutations and other viruses and other threats this age of the virus. He's going to be talking about what is coming down the pike and what we need to do to protect ourselves because there will always be a new vaccine to deal with the new virus and pretty soon you're just going to be on the government's schedule being told when to get yourself over there and get this shot and don't get that shot and get this and do this. And he's, he's trying to warn about that as are literally many other um, doctors. And if you didn't listen to our show this past Thursday, I want to mention we had a brilliant doctor on named Dr. Peter Bregan. Um, he's a, a longtime renowned psychiatrist in, in New York. And he has a book out talking about COVID 19, uh, about the predators, and we, the people, who are the prey. I mean, it's so filled with data that helps you realize COVID was a political operation. COVID was a political operation by those who've always wanted to use any, any means possible to take, to take more control and take away your freedom. But certainly, with respect to COVID, take away your healthcare freedom and push the whole uh, vaccine every time we tell you agenda. It's, it's a, he wrote a brilliant book. Interviews are uh, brilliant. If you didn't hear that interview, go back to our, our website, org, and listen to the interview with Dr. Peter Brigham. Okay, I want to a couple other um, stories I think are really truly. Um, You know, I was thinking today, in fact, I dug it up, I don't know where I put it now. Okay, I was remembering today, um, Hillary Clinton, uh, back when she was Secretary of State, and she, you know, and and many, many other times used the same expression I'm about to tell you, but back when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, um, and when she was running for president, and I think when she was defending her husband, when he was running for president, she often used the term scorched earth. Hillary Clinton would accuse... The people, anyone who stood in her way, anyone who exposed any wrongdoing, anyone who exposed anything Bill did, anyone who basically would dare disagree with Bill and Hillary Clinton, she would get angry with and accuse them of engaging him a scorched earth mentality, meaning she's trying to accuse you know, the other political side of doing what happens in war when they just give up trying to take out individual targets. They just flatten a country or flatten an area, scorched earth. You know, it's a visual thing. And she used that expression over and over and over. Back in 2013, she was lamenting about something, whatever was going on in Congress, and and how can these people not get along? And she it was just... Um, she she says, too many uh, in our politics choose scorched earth over common ground. Uh, Many of our public debates are happening, what I like to call an evidence-free zone. Okay, let's turn, let's remember, this is what Hillary, and as I say, not just this one time, over and over, when anyone criticizes Hillary, she, she would use this, oh, the scorched earth tactics of the Republican Party. Let me just tell you who's really scorched earth, who's really scorched earth. So, we had the elections of 2020 and many 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 people actual experts actual expert statisticians actual experts of all kinds looked at the data and 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 many and, and the whole 2000 mules movie i mean multiple sources of very credible information pointing out that the 2020 election was stolen and So, you know, people after the election was over and and many just common sense observers watching, you know, Biden didn't even come out of his basement. He couldn't get 20 people to show up in a school gym to listen to him. You know, Trump has massive rallies everywhere organized on a few hours notice and get tens of thousands of people there. I mean, just the whole thing, you know, stunk to high, high heaven, as they say, and everybody knew it. So. After the election, of course, many lawyers, including Sidney Powell, who is a friend of mine and who will also be speaking at our summit, Sidney Powell talked about uh, uh, litigation. And she's talking about the idea that there's so much evidence of electronic election fraud, of manipulation of the electronic voting machines that she wanted to have the courts look at. So she's assembling data. She was only the initiator in, I think, four Pieces of litigation that ended up actually in state courts. I think they were all in state courts as opposed to federal courts, and trying to make them make them the argument basically that the um, the uh, election, the evidence of electronic election fraud, was overwhelming, irrefutable, undeniable. And all four of her cases, all four of the cases she brought, the courts made a decision on it they dismissed her cases on procedural grounds just said uh, you know filed too early too late or whatever they did they just went out of the way to never look at the merits never examine the evidence but she and others continue their quest and, and do today to try to prove uh, the electronic election fraud. And it's not just because you know, she's a good friend of Donald Trump's. I don't even think she is a good friend of Donald Trump's. It's not just because she likes Trump so much better than Biden. It's because the entire election process in America is corrupt, and we need to have it fixed. We need to expose and fix. So now, what's occurring, back to my Hillary Scorch Earth thing, is that there are dark money groups. Groups you have no idea where they got the money from. And these groups are made up of anti-Trumpers, some of the right-wingers. I mean, some of the, you know, never-Trump people who thought they were smart and everybody else. These groups have pulled together a project called Project 65. I've mentioned in the show before, the quick gist of it is, Project 65, with all this dark money, probably Soros money, is being uh, used. Its mission is to attempt to get every attorney who filed litigation challenging the legitimacy of the 2020 election, get those lawyers disbarred, removed from their ability to practice law. I mean, it is a, all by itself, that is a scorched earth tactic. That is a you know, not not enough that you couldn't get courts to look at it, not enough that the courts, you know, wouldn't ever get involved and, and figure out what hap- everything that was so corrupt about the 2020 elections. But these people, these Project 65 people, are actually go- spending their day. They wake up every day, who can I destroy today? Whose legal career can I end? Who can I identify and try to get them disbarred? So they're doing this to lawyers around the country who represented... Uh, in uh, the uh, either the Trump campaign directly or perhaps represented, sometimes they were representing uh, individuals who were electors or they're representing election officials, but they filed something in court saying that the 2020 election was rotten and we all know it. So this Project 65, trying to take them all down. The reason I'm raising this is, so Sydney sent, sent me this thing. and um, And by the way, they're up to Project 65, I think it originally got its name, because there were 65 lawyers they're going after. Now they're going after over 100 Trump-affiliated lawyers. But I want to tell you what Sydney sent me, and you may have seen this on social media, but Sydney sent me this article, which she wrote at Defending the Republic. You should definitely go to defendingtherepublic.org but she's pointing out she's pulled out you know great thing about the era of social media and and you know cyber world and computers and the internet you know everything comes back i mean you you can't hide so back when the democrats were uh, wrapped around the axle uh, in the election of george w bush in ohio of 2004 so they had a battle back then there was a battle about whether or not that election was fair and Democrat lawyers or lawyers representing Democrats challenging the the George Bush victory filed lawsuits claiming that there was electronic election fraud. They went specifically to they said the legitimate result was changed to a fraudulent result by gaining physical or electronic access to the tabulating machines and systems such as by modem. The confederate of the republics who is actually changing the vote totals didn't even need to access the computer. Electronic access can be gained from almost anywhere in the world. It goes on and on. It talks about these. this is democrat filed litigation in 2004 challenging the Ohio outcome of George W. Bush, including in the litigation the Democrats said uh, that one means of changing the vote results was inserting unauthorized and so far undetected operating instructions in the software. Okay, same thing that everyone's saying about 2020. Same thing Douglas Frank is saying. Same thing Seth Keschel is saying. Same thing Sydney's saying. So the Democrats were saying this back in 2004. And trying to get a reversal. And they did not succeed. And so after that occurred, this challenge. And so, first of all, as the Democrats, they've known, as you know, as everyone knows, because there is that um, other film that Democrats came up with, where you have these prominent Democrats all claiming that electronic election fraud is not only possible but easy as pie, it could happen to anybody. So there was a an effort to question some of the lawyers. Some of the lawyers back in the 2004 case for how dare they challenge election fraud uh, claim election fraud, how dare they challenge the outcome election same thing happening to Sidney Powell now and a bunch of other lawyers defending Trump's election back in 2004, Democrats are you know going after this in, in court and people were uh, calling them you know calling the Democrats making this claim you know Tin foil has blah 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 so, There was a petition filed with a court back in 2004 in which they uh, are these people who I'm about to tell you signed on the petition talking about you cannot sanction, you certainly cannot disbar lawyers just because they made a legal claim. You can't do that. It's outrageous, I mean, and it is outrageous. So they have these people who filed this back in 2004 who were perfectly willing to go on record saying, you can't disbar people because they, you know, they challenge an election outcome. That petition was signed on by members of the Democratic Party of the current January 6th Committee the ones who are trying to take down everybody who dares challenge the election. So, Zoe Lofgren, Adam, completely shiftless, uh, Democrats, Maxine Waters, former Congressman John Conyers, Jerry Nadler the Waddler, all of those people, all those people signed on a petition to the court that it was outrageous to even consider sanctioning lawyers who filed uh, filed claims challenging the 2004 Ohio results, and these same people are now on the side of happily supporting the removal of, uh, and, and in this case, actual disbarment of lawyers who fought for uh, election integrity for Donald Trump. You see, this, uh, this not only is hypocritical beyond, I mean, on steroids hypocritical, but it's also that scorched earth idea that Hillary Clinton, you know how that concept of projection, like what, especially what leftists do, they accuse everybody else of whatever they're doing. Hillary Clinton's picture should be in the encyclopedia next to the term scorched earth. She lives, as did Bill in his day, lives to eviscerate her enemies. Not just state a disagreement, not just to ask for a discussion or points and authorities. It is eviscerate her enemies. So she was accusing when she was Secretary of State, she's talking about scorched earth. She is scorched earth central. That's who she is. And that's what the Democrat Party is doing today. They are now, and now you can say Project 65 is not the Democrat Party. Yeah, but there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of common players. There's a lot of the, the same mindset, which is... They can do whatever they want. They can challenge the October, excuse me, the uh, 2004 election in Ohio for, Donald, for uh, George W. Bush. But nobody can challenge their guy. Nobody can stand up for Donald Trump. Nobody can because they said so, because they make the rules. And in particular, the really great points in the entire, in the brief filed by these leftists who were back in 2004 complaining that there should even be a questioning of the lawyers who filed this litigation, they wrote in John Conyers' brief. For over 200 years, one of the strengths of our democracy has been that citizens may question the results of an election. They argued it was strongly in the public interest to allow election contests and discovery in them. I mean, utterly hypocritical. And I'm saying this because these people, I mean, you talk about the left being scorched earth, they are not even going to Think about the idea of maybe there was some validity to these election fraud cases. And I will tell you, I think the vast majority of people in Washington, both sides of the aisle, vast majority understand that our election system is completely rigged. I truly believe that. I think I mean, both sides of the aisle and many of them all of them, I guess, got there under the system we now have. Very few of them have interest in exposing that fraud. And so you're really at a very hard place in America where the people in power who got there through a system which has now been exposed as fraudulent are, have no interest in tracking down that fraud, even going forward. Even saying, okay, from now on, we'll stop with electronic stuff. But anyway, I, I do really... The, I. I i think this whole episode deeply reveals the the scorched earth mindset not just of hillary she's not part of project 65 so far as i'm aware but that mindset that says we do everything to destroy our political enemies we don't care if it's fair we don't care if it's hypocritical we don't care if it's justified we're going to go after them so now these these project 65 lawyers i mean i'd love to have a court say in, in, the, in, their, in their efforts to disbar these people. You know, actually, your attack on Sidney Powell and all these other lawyers are going after, the filing of a lawsuit or filing of a petition to try to have these people disbarred, it should bring about the disbarment of the people filing. All the, Whoever the lawyers are for this Project 65, whoever they are, they should be the ones disbarred because they're saying nobody challenges us, nobody challenges our guy, nobody challenges the uh, uniparty, the ruling class, nobody dares do it. That's what they're saying. They need to be disbarred. And one other thing on this uh, ongoing stuff about elections, so the Supreme Court took a case um, recently, and um, it is— Very, very interesting. They're going to hear a case involving an appeal. The the case is called Moore versus Harper, but it's about this whole election thing. And in summary, in summary, what it is saying is that they want clarification in this litigation from the Supreme Court on the meaning of the language in the U.S. Constitution, and the language is in Article One, Section Four, Clause One. And this is the piece of this is the thing in the Constitution that basically says that the state legislatures state legislatures have the sole authority for setting election rules the language is whether a state's judicial branch may nullify the regulations government okay the manner of holding elections for senators and representatives prescribed by the legislature thereof the language in the constitution is the manner of holding elections for senators and representatives prescribed by the legislature thereof they're trying to get a ruling that says when the legislature has said x the Department of Elections cannot change it. The governor can't change it. Uh, you can, even if you say we have a new emergency, we have monkeypox or whatever the emergency is, they're trying to get the court to affirm. No, you can't just make up new rules. Cannot make up new rules. And this is should be the law. And to be really clear, it isn't just blue states where this happened. Although many of the swing states that ended up being counted for Biden, although I'm. Sure, they, I'm nearly positive they ended up, they should have been in Trump's uh, tally, but those people had different kinds of procedural changes that were put in place by election officials, judges, other people, rather than the legislature. And this is, a, this is testing that. So uh, one thing I was going to tell you was, so the reason you know that this is going to probably be consequential, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, AOC, the avowed communist, was so distraught over the supreme court finally taking up this case that she lashed out by calling it a judicial coup i mean she i mean she's oh my god she's excruciating okay she's excruciatingly dense and at the same time a very dangerous political animal aoc very dangerous because she has a real penchant a real capacity to grab words that sound like they're meaningful Sound like they're saying something and sound, you know, legitimately outraged. She rarely is following the actual issue, but she has a real talent in and when she talks about judicial coup. I mean, this gets people who don't pay attention to the law, don't pay attention to the fact that, well, AOC says a judicial coup. So if the Supreme Court says, actually, yeah, the Constitution means what it says, the legislature has to do these things, and you can't have all these officials chiming in afterwards to change things you no know, can do. So she said that. And then Bill Clinton, uh, you know, <laughs> who, by the way, I feel sorry for him. I've seen pictures of him recently. He's clearly declining. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what it's like to have Hillary around the House all day, but, you know... Maybe she's not around the house all day. I just think he looks like he needs—he he looks unhealthy. He looks weak, and I can't imagine living with someone so unpleasant at a, at a period of time in your life when you are weakening, but I digress. Back to this. Bill Clinton had to say people should be panic-stricken, should be panic-stricken, that the Supreme Court is going to tell us whether or not this case means what—this uh, passage in the Constitution— um, means what they um, say it means. Okay. a couple of minutes left. I had a quick segment on on, on Ron DeSantis. I'll, I'm going to do more about this. All I want to say, I use the expression, leftist long lives are out for Ron DeSantis. This is Florida Governor DeSantis, who is on many people's short list of, they want him to run for president someday, uh, whether he would do it in 2024, 28, I don't know what he's going to do. But he has been a leader among leaders far exceeding any other republican governor in this country and standing up to the leftist onslaught that is destroying this country he's been brilliant and so there was a 60 minutes hit piece on him uh, i don't know when 60 i don't watch 60 minutes i think it was on saturday night whenever at night it was on i saw a lot of people talking about afterwards. it was a total hit piece you know trying to make him sound you know kind of dumb kind of cavalier kind of irresponsible uh, not to be taken seriously. Um, and then there was a piece, a, a much more serious piece written at uh, the New York Magazine. And I did link it to you for you because I want you to think about reading it at our website, Talk.org, at our homepage, under shows, drop down a list of links. There's a New York Magazine article called Ron DeSantis would kill democracy slowly and methodically. And again, no connection to rational analysis. No connection. They take things he did and... They do the left-wing spin and put their, you know, just dishonest, foolishness label on what something he did, and then they attack it. And, you know, Ron DeSantis has stood up in many ways for the people, for the freedoms of our Constitution, the freedoms, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom from government repression uh, with, with respect to freedom and COVID. I mean, he has stood up. He stood up to protect children in the state of Florida from the relentless onslaught grooming mission of the LGBTQ community that wants to spend time trying to convince kindergartners that they might want to be transgender or they might really be transgender. The guy has been a rock star and I'm telling you the long knives are out because people can see ultimately he is the brightest light on the um, horizon or maybe not the brightest. He's among the brightest. There are a few other names of people who'd be really good as presidential candidates. Um, Supposedly, by the way, speaking of that uh, presidential stuff, I think 20, I think tomorrow, tomorrow in Washington, D.C., former President Trump makes his first return to Washington after leaving after the uh, election, and he's speaking at an organization um, where he is uh, among friends, and some people think he's going to announce he's running for president, I don't know what he's going to do. I saw Ted Cruz had commented. You know, it would really help if he just announced or not. If he'd he'd announce, it would clear the field. It's very true. I've said this before. If he announces, you know, I I think the nomination is probably his to lose or win. Uh, It's his to win, but I don't know what he's going to do, but... um, The longer, the big-term strategist thinkers in this country are looking at Ron DeSantis, and he is formidable. I don't have time to go into that today. I'm going to do a little segment about Ron DeSantis, segment about Ron DeSantis soon, to really tout who he is, because he's quite extraordinary, and I think he's among the top rising stars in the Republican Party. Uh, I'm going to quick close out um, the show with a little bit of entertainment today. Uh, So I came across a country singer... Uh, he's a superstar singer. Uh, his name is John Rich, country superstar singer John Rich, and he has a new song, um, and it's an anti-woke anthem. And one of the refrains is, finding unity in the fa- in the pain, finding unity in the pain. And what's really cool is this album has gone to number one on iTunes. And I'm telling you that, not just I don't even know the guy. I, I think his, his music is fun. But I'm telling you this because, as I said earlier today, you know, people are hungry for a guy like DeSantis to speak truth. They were hungry for Trump to speak truth. People are hungry for leaders with an audience to speak out and speak truth about this country. I'm going to quick let Joe, the very wonderful producer, play this little tiny clip from uh, country rock star, John Rich. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Okay, my friends. He um, if you couldn't catch the words, okay, couldn't catch the words. I did put this a link up on our website, so you can go AmericaCanWeTalk dot But uh, he, his lines. First of all, massive support, making good progress is number one worldwide. Number one worldwide. I'm telling you, people, I had a big conversation recently with some friends about, you know, well, is America 50-50, 60-40? I am telling you, America is 70-30, right with the patriots, right with the conservatives, right with people who simply want America back. They do not want the leftist agenda. They don't want the climate change agenda. They don't want the border abandonment agenda. They don't want the globalist agenda. They don't want America surrendering our sovereignty to anybody. They want their country back. They want the Donald Trump agenda, even if they don't like him. That's what America wants, and that's why this popular this song became so popular. What he was singing was, there's a hole in this country where its heart used to be. They say building back better will make America great. If that's the wave of the future, all I've got to say, stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. Great great piece. Uh, We're about to have our friends on radio go off. Thank you so much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I talk truth about America. come back tomorrow to America Can We Talk at 3 p.m. Everybody else listening, and thank you for listening. I thank every single one of you for listening every single day. I so appreciate you. Remember to go to our website, join uh, join our uh, newsletter list, uh, join America Can We Talk, look at our summit, Buy tickets. Bring your friends. It's going to be a great summer, a great celebration of America. And I close every show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So, we started our show today uh, talking about when, what time is it in America and Schedule F agenda. Reaction to Trump's Schedule F extremism illustrates America's frustration with elites. Schedule F is all about reestablishing higher and fire authority over public employees. Yes, yay. No public employee should be unionized, period, full stop. No public employee should have tenure in public agencies. Obama initiated efforts to install leftists in key agency positions, including in the military, and then make them unfireable by a succeeding presidency. Relentless, purposeful undermining of Trump's MAGA agenda was the result. Thwarting Trump was a personal uniparty goal, but the real result? The will of the American people is denied and undermined by permanent bureaucrats. Trump is right to work to fix this. Every presidential candidate should be for it. And on World Health Organization and monkeying with your freedom, World Health Organization Director General proclaims monkeypox is a world health emergency despite world health uh, organization Board Advisors voted 9-6 to six against making such a proclamation. Overwhelming scientific evidence that the disease is associated nearly entirely with gay sex among men. Uh, World Health Organization is, in, is financed and influenced heavily by Bill Gates and the CCP. Monkeypox Declaration is clear illustration Of how the new world order is sought to be implemented health agencies for the world must supersede and overrule independent action by nation states that's the goal that is the goal of the globalist on health issues they're going to have emergencies for the world superseding and overruling independent action by nation states Uh, world government instantly created to deal with the health crisis no thank you americans and normal people around the world now have essentially no trust in public health authorities, unclear whether WHO declaration will be anything but ignored. And Democrat votes changed by secret code in the machines. That's what the Democrat said. Democrat hypocrisy rate election integrity is off the charts. Sydney Powell piece shows Dems on video prior to 2020, alleging exactly the same voting machine vulnerabilities now being cited by those who dispute the 2020 election. Yet Democrat dark money sponsors now actively working to disbar any U.S. lawyers who have ever ever worked on cases questioning the 2020 election results. And the J6 mockery of American justice broke every rule, norm, and tradition of due process and fairness. Democrats' contempt for the intelligence of the American people knows no bounds. And a leftist long knives Alfred DeSantis, 60 Minutes leads a legacy media hit, On Florida on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, hit pieces at this stage of DeSantis' potential presidential ambitions illustrate one thing. The left fears DeSantis because he is effective. DeSantis' response to put on the armor of God. Oh, I didn't hear the beautiful quote from the Bible. I love these passages in the Bible. DeSantis' response to put on the whole armor of God, sure to drive leftists apoplectic. Unclear how Trump and DeSantis view each other, rivals or potential team, but the leftist fervor against DeSantis suggests they, he, they see DeSantis as just as formidable or maybe even more formidable than Trump. DeSantis doesn't do mean tweets, but he's all in with the MAGA agenda. And on John Rich sings America's song, John Rich's Finding Unity in the Pain, now a worldwide number one country hit. Farmers, truckers, industrial workers, the common man and woman are uniting around the world in opposition. Are uniting, Are uniting around the world in opposition to the new world order, global governance system. They never wanted. Globalists are ruthless, and they are on a mission. But the people are resisting the mission and the fear porn. And the people are right. Music has unique unifying power that can't be nullified by the rulers. And that my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk? Where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?